What signers of the 1776 Declaration of Independence would be called millennials today? And every Independence Day, how many times does the Liberty Bell ring? Answers to those and other Independence Day questions coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Before we get started, let's just have a little patriotic music here. Let's get in the spirit of this thing. There we go. (laughs) Do you like that John Philip Sousa music? (laughs) Oh my goodness, that's one of my favorites. Stars and Stripes Forever. Now, that gets us in the spirit of the questions today. Okay. Independence Day is a day when we all pause and get some more perspective on our country and how it began and how lucky we all are. Uh And uh, I just recently found an article that kind of confirmed something I felt when I was at Independence Hall back about three years ago visiting. And they had busts of people who signed the declaration. And on the floor, they had their names with their ages at the time. Oh, yeah. And I was astounded at how young many of them were. The average age of the signers was just 44. 44, okay. Four of the signers were in their 20s. 16 of the signers were in their 30s, uh-huh. including Thomas Jefferson, who was 33. He wrote the declaration. He was a pup. And 12 more signers were from 34 to 39, including John Hancock, the man who had that huge signature. Yes, he was just 39. Old Johnny Hancock with that big gaudy signature. Look at me, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> There's one in every Congress. Isn't there, though? <laughs> <laughs> For every yeah. revolution, certainly, yeah. there were several of those. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but just think of that. He's only 39 when he's doing that. John Adams was 40, Francis Lightfoot Lee and two others were 41, and on and on. Today, they'd be called millennials. Indeed, they would. I mean, you just don't think of them that way. You think of them as, yeah, old and wise. They were young and cranky. They were young and cranky people. I'm going to ask you a question about founding fathers, how old some of those people were, but I'll let you get to your question. All right. All my questions today are from a Fourth of July quiz in Parade Magazine, okay? Let's see how well you do. I have a feeling you're going to do very well, Mr. (laughs) Smith. Every Independence Day, Bob, how many times does the Liberty Bell ring? How many times does it ring? (laughs) Every Fourth of July. I didn't know that they rang the bell. Well, it's not hit really hard, but this is interesting backstory. Okay. On every 4th of July at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, children who are descendants of Declaration signers symbolically tap the Liberty Bell 13 times, while bells across the nation also ring 13 times in honor of the patriots from the original 13 states. Well, that's pretty symbolic, having the descendants, you know, great, 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 great grandchildren of the signers tapping it 13 times. Pretty cool. That is very cool. You're waiting for descendants of the Mayflower to get to do something, Yeah, when will we be able to do something? Tap a bell or, you know. Sink a boat, something, you know. Do something. Do something. (laughs) We got to do something. Get some scurvy. I don't want scurvy. (laughs) You get that when you don't eat right on the boat. Yeah, well, eat my cooking and you'll get scurvy. Well, that's okay. (laughs) All right. Okay, Bob, where was the first celebration of Independence Day held? Was that in a tavern? A certain tavern somewhere? I meant city. Old city. Uh, The first celebration may have been in New York City? No. 
Was it in Philadelphia? Yes. Okay, well, that's where they signed it. That makes <laughs> yeah, sense. You got the bell there. You got the... the you got the uh, hall, Independence Hall. That's right. All right. What was the name of the newspaper that published the Declaration oh, of Independence? that's a good question. The first one. If you go to Philadelphia, there are markers on all the buildings. And this apartment above this building is where they signed the Declaration. That was a oh, fascinating yeah? thing to see. Yeah. Okay. You can just imagine them being in that room up there all writing right. it. But I don't know the answer to that. This is something I didn't know either. It was called the Pennsylvania Evening Post. The Pennsylvania Evening Post. And, oh, here's the tough one, Bob, but people get this wrong. I have. The 4th of July commemorates... Which document? The Declaration of Independence. Correct. Not, not the Constitution. Which came? After the war. All right. Okay, I got some more of these Founding Fathers' ages. Now, these people weren't signers. How old do you think the Marquis de Lafayette and James Monroe were the day that the Declaration of Independence was signed? Any idea? Nope. They were teenagers. Really? They Lafayette were just, was? Yeah. Wow. 18 years old. Wow. Aaron Burr was 20. Alexander Hamilton was 21, and James Madison was 25. Wow. Okay, and even good old Betsy Ross, how old do you think she was? Oh, Betsy, the sewer. (laughs) Didn't she sew the... Sew the flag. Sew the flag. Okay, she was 28 years old. She was 24 the day the declaration was signed. Oh, really? So she sewed that American flag in her 20s, not as a senior citizen. No, okay, you're right. You You think of Betsy rocking in the chair, sewing away on the stars and stripes. Betsy Ross, 24. I bet she was a babe, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So what is the proper way to fold the American flag? Oh, the American flag, you start it and you fold it at angles, don't you? it ends up as a? As a triangle. Correct. Yeah, that is correct. we had to do that in uh, Boy Scouts. Yeah, I'm sure. Had to learn to do that in Boy you Scouts. You were born to be a Boy Scout, well, Bob. Yeah. Which American president, Bob, was born on the 4th of July? That was... Oh, wait a minute. Which American president was born on the 4th of July? Born on the 4th of... of Was that um, Teddy Roosevelt? No. No? I don't know. Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge, born on the 4th of July. July. So he was a Yankee Doodle Dandy. He was. You know who died? We both know who died on the 4th of July. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. Within minutes of each other. 50 years to the day of the signing of the Declaration that's one of my favorite. It's uh, one of the miracles of American history. Yeah. It is. Amazing. Just amazing. All right. What do you got? Okay. I've got some more ages. How old was King George? The old King George, our hated. 42. He was 38. Oh, my goodness. So okay. even, even our enemy was a young man. Even- <laughs> British General Charles Cornwallis, he was only 37 the day the declaration was signed. And George Washington. George Washington was already in the field with the army the day that the Declaration was signed, was just 44 years old. So this Declaration of Independence thing, this was a young person's game, and most of the rebels and those who opposed them were the millennials of 1776. And it's good, because they had new ideas and young ideas. They weren't tethered to the old land, the, the, uh, the king and the England. Okay, Bob, which president of the U.S. was the first to host a 4th of July celebration in the White House. Was that Abraham Lincoln, by any chance? No. Oh, was it before Abraham Lincoln? Yes. Okay, so it would probably have been um, maybe Martin Van Buren. No. Or or Buchanan. No. Andrew Jackson. No. All right. (laughs) I'm missing out. Who was it? Thomas Jefferson. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know it went back that far. He probably served ice cream because he liked ice cream, too. Another little factoid that Holy amazes cow. and amuses. It's how amazing. Many, how many stars and stripes does the U.S. flag have? Uh, 13 stripes. Right. 
and uh, 50 stars. Correct. Wasn't sure about yeah, how many stripes. Yeah, the stripes are for the, uh, the original, for the original colonies, okay. right. And what is the location of the nation's oldest 4th of July parade? Well, that would probably be in Philadelphia, too. You'd think. New York. No. Where? Bristol, Rhode Island. No kidding. <laughs> Tell me about that. What year was it? 1785. That's the first parade. Yeah. Huh. So. Now, I think the first fireworks were actually 1777. I think that was the year after the signing. Well, there goes one of my questions, Bob. Oh, sorry. Just hold that <laughs> off, okay? Okay, I got another question for you about one of these 1776 millennials we talked about. Who is the one who said after signing the declaration, there, I guess King George will be able to read that? Oh, that was John Hancock, that's, that's I'll That's actually what he said after yeah. signing it. So he, Isn't that funny? Yeah, he signed it in those big letters he said that. And uh, I bet uh, had it been another time, George would have tweeted him on that one, you know. Really, John, do you have to be so ostentatious? That's right. <laughs> Don't poke him in the eye. Yeah, okay. What, what signer said, we must all hang together, oh, else we'll we will all hang, hang separately. separately? Great quote. One of my favorites. And not many people were that eloquent back then, but Ben Franklin That's was right. right up there, right? Benjamin Franklin. He signed it when he was 70, and he said that. Yeah. Okay. Here's another number question. What was the total number of people? who signed the Declaration of Independence. Now, that's a good question. Because I've got all these names. I found a whole list of them, and but I didn't, didn't count, count them, up. did no. you? Ah. I would say 50. That's pretty good. How many? 56. 56 signers. And what is the name of the national anthem of the USA? Well, oh. that is the name of the national anthem? Mm-hmm. The Star-Spangled Banner. It is, yes, because people often say different... Oh, they think of America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's not. It is the national anthem is the Star-Spangled Banner. All right, Marcia, I have some things. You know, there were other things going on in 1776. Did you know that? There were other things? (laughs) Thomas Paine published some uh, very important pamphlets. Common Sense. Yes, Common Sense that uh, really stirred up a lot of feelings. But what other momentous action did the Continental Congress take that year? They signed the Declaration of independence mm. what's another thing they did that year mm. Mm. No, they were pretty exhausted what mm. people go to the gas station today and they buy tickets these the days lottery? the they lottery the lottery <laughs> they started they started a national lottery to raise money for the continental congress at gas stations all over New England. No, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where they sold the tickets, but yeah, they started at the horse hay store. Yeah, the horse hay store. Okay. All right, here's an easy one and a hard one. Okay. Who gave the United States the Statue of Liberty? Oh, that's the uh, country of France. That's correct. Yeah. And what was the Statue of Liberty's official name? Wasn't Lady Liberty, was it? Nope. Um Bartholdi's statue, what was it called? Liberty Lights the Way or something like that? That's, I, I'll give you 50% on that. Oh, okay. Okay. Liberty Enlightening the World. Enlightening the World. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think it's time for a break. Oh, yeah. You're listening to a special Independence Day edition of The Off-Ramp. We'll be back in just a moment. What do they know about their country? <laughs> this is Bob. And Marsha. Smith. <laughs> we'll be back. Okay. okay, you're listening to a special Independence Day episode of The Off-Ramp. Marsha, I've got another question about uh, something that occurred that year, but it wasn't related to Independence Day. What famous hymn was first issued in 1776? It wasn't something like, uh, mine eyes have seen the glory. No, that was that was around the Civil War time. Oh, okay, time. okay, well, I'm way But off. it's a famous one. It's, it's a three-word hymn. I don't know. It's rock... On 
Rock on. <laughs> rock, <laughs> rock of on, age. Yeah, rock on America. That's right. That's what <laughs> it was. Rock of ages. Yeah, rock of ages uh-huh. actually appeared in 1776 with verses by the London editor Augustus Toplady. Publi- Toplady? Yes. Published in the February 1776 issue of the Gospel Magazine in London, Rock of Ages. <laughs> I thought of that as a 19th century hymn, not an 18th century hymn. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, what great western city had its beginnings in 1776? Western city? A western city of the United States. Uh, Denver. No. No. L.A. No. San Francisco. Yes. Its original name was Yerba Buena, meaning good herb. But San Francisco had its real beginnings in the settlement of Yerba Buena, which was established by Spanish monks in California. They actually established that in 1769, but it really started taking off in 1776. So there were other things happening that year. Well, here's one that'll stump you. Where is the Liberty Bell located? Oh, that's not hard. (laughs) It's located right down in downtown Philadelphia. Yeah, I've never seen it. They've taken it and put it in a little beautiful building. It's adjacent to the Independence Hall. And you know, that was an anti-slavery bell. That's why they call it the Liberty Bell. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you get to ring it when you're there? No, no, no. They don't let you touch it. No, No, you can't ring it. Okay. All right. As if that wasn't hard enough, how about this? How many hot dogs are consumed every 4th of July in America, Bob? (laughs) Take a guess. There's a good one. Oh, my goodness. So we're talking millions of hot dogs, I would assume. Correct. Okay, so let's say 1,776, 1776 (laughs) hot dogs. Oh, good. No, no, no. I'll say 2 million. Ah, not even close. 150 million on the 4th of July. No kidding. Yeah. 150 million on the 4th of July yeah. alone? Yeah, that's a lot of mustard and relish. Boy, is that ever. I like the onions. You know I got to have the that's, onions. You always have to have onions. Okay. okay. What country declared independence from the U.S. on July 4th, 1946? From the U.S.? Yeah. A country declared independence from the U.S. 1946. On our Independence Day. How dare they? <laughs> uh, let me see. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Who would that be? I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank on it that. It was the Philippines. Okay. Uh, we're done okay. with you. I'm out of here. Well, you're right. It was uh, the year after the war. The war had ended. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense that the Philippines declared its independence on July 4th. 1946. Yeah, that, that that is a great, great trivia question. I'm here to here to amaze and amuse. I have something. It's kind of an amazing thing. What great drink may have also been invented in 1776? Oh, great drink. Yes, oh, it must have been tang. Drink. No, it wasn't tang. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> it's not a beer. It's a uh, it's a mixed drink. A mixed drink, really? Okay. Well, I'll say the gin ricky. No, that's the 20s. I don't know. The cocktail. Oh, the cocktail. Well, that can be anything. Yeah. There are several stories on the cocktail, but this one comes from the Food Chronology by James Traeger, and he says that by some accounts, the cocktail was invented in 1776 (laughs) at an Elmsford, New York tavern. Barmaid Betsy Flanagan decorated the bar at Hall's Corner with discarded tail feathers from poultry that were roasted and served to patrons. The cocktails, see? And an inebriated patron demanded that she bring him, quote, a glass of those cocktails. And Flanagan served him a mixed drink garnished with a feather. 
Isn't that fun? Yeah. Well, you know, basically back then then, before we got all sorts of fancy names for it, it was any kind of booze and soda. With a feather. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. Which now you can put in an umbrella instead, (laughs) but okay. As I said, there are other stories, but that's one that... I like that one. I thought that was good because we could talk about 1776 with regard to that. That's very interesting to me. Said the barkeeper's daughter. (laughs) We have to remind people your dad ran the tavern. Frenchies. Frenchies. Frenchies In Milwaukee. Oh, Frenchies. Okay, we mentioned Betsy Ross a while ago. Oh, we did. Now, we don't know for sure if Betsy Ross actually did make the flag. Come on. Yeah. I'm positive she did. We do know five (laughs) things about Betsy Ross that you might find interesting. All right. We know her name was Elizabeth Grissom Ross. She was born Elizabeth Grissom in a Quaker family in Gloucester City, New Jersey, back in 1752, which would make her 24, the day the Declaration of Independence was signed. Okay. And we know that in 1773, while serving as an apprentice for a Philadelphia upholsterer, she fell in love and eloped with another apprentice, John Ross. He was a member of a prominent Philadelphia family. That included a signer of the Declaration of Independence. So, okay. By the way, the Quakers uh, expelled Betsy because she married a Protestant, so they <laughs> can't have that. We also know that Elizabeth and John Ross set up their own upholstery business in Philadelphia. Okay. And they enjoyed what National Geographic describes as a lively social life. Oh. They attended his family's Christ Church with people like George Washington, but tragedy struck two years later. In 1775, John was killed in the Revolution. War. His widow, Elizabeth, carried on. She put a shingle out and ran her own business, and she married two more times and wow. gave birth to seven children altogether. Good Lord, she married. When did she do the flag? Well, we don't know for sure if she sewed the first U.S. flag. We do know that she did sew flags for others, though. Her upholstery business made flags for Pennsylvania's Navy, and it supplied the Continental Army with tents and other goods in the Revolutionary War. And one of her daughters carried on that work, making flags for the U.S. government and merchant marines until 1857. So there's a lot of information. A fifth thing we know is that she rubs shoulders with some of the nation's founders because 15 members of her church's congregation signed the Declaration of Independence. So she was in the right social circles. You might say that she wasn't cut from whole cloth. Oh, for God's sake. (laughs) But nothing that says, like my grade school book that she sewed the flag, huh? How did Betsy Ross become famous for the flag? Her grandson made that happen. Now, Elizabeth died in 1836 at age 84. In 1870, her grandson, William Camby, gave a speech on the history of the American flag at the Historical Society of Pennsylvania, and he claimed that George Washington and members of a congressional committee approached his grandmother asking if her shop could create a flag. He even came up with signed affidavits from family members saying, yeah, we we heard this story all of our lives. Oh, okay. She told this story to us. So it is a true story. Well, we think it was, but we don't know for sure. And one thing she said that uh, she gave them some suggestions, all kinds of little design changes she supposedly came up with. And then later magazines started publishing these stories. There were two big paintings that you've probably seen where Betsy Ross is sewing the flag. One was a massive painting that was at the Columbian Exposition, uh, World's Fair in Chicago. Thousands of people lined up to see this thing. So uh, it became a sensation, and that became embedded in the public memory. Now, there is a paper trail on the U.S. flag, and it belongs to a man. I'm getting confused. If Elizabeth Grissom Ross, Betsy Ross, didn't design the first flag, who did? Well, 
It may be Francis Hopkinson, a patriot, poet, lawyer, naval flag designer, congressman, early <laughs> treasury official, and signer of the Declaration. And puppeteer. <laughs> he left a paper trail. In 1780, he billed the Continental Congress for designing two items, the Great Seal of the United States, that's the one with the eagle with its talons holding the arrows, and, uh-huh. and the other was for the flag of the United States. He asked for a cask of wine for his services, but there's no evidence he was paid. While the journals of the Continental Congress show he designed the flag, the Board of Treasury disagreed, claiming he was not the only person consulted and couldn't take full credit for that. And besides, they said, he earned a big salary as the treasurer of loans for the government. So they felt he owed a service to the public and the design was a way to pay that debt. So they never apparently paid him. Well, couldn't he have designed it and she sold it? Maybe. That makes sense. Who knows, but... That's the paper trail in the Smithsonian. We okay. have that information. But All right. don't don't know for sure if Betsy did. Her family says she told the story, and there's no reason not to believe her. I believe Betsy. All right. All right. Thank you, Bob. I set the record straight here. All right. Here's some other questions that aren't 4th of July. Just okay. Just some good trivia here. Okay. We have a question from Millie in Miami. Millie lives in Miami, is one of our listeners, and uh-huh. she asks, which of these cities is known as the Venice of America? Boston, Minneapolis, St. Louis, or Fort Lauderdale? Well, I would say Fort Lauderdale. You're right. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It features an extensive canal system. It has more than 300 miles of inland waterways in the greater metro area. Mm. And a popular way for tourists and locals to get around is via water taxi on the city's many canals. Yeah. You can even have a, a full Venetian experience by hopping aboard an authentic Venetian gondola on the New River. Fort Lauderdale is so proud of its nickname, it even appears on the official city seal. So thanks for Millie. That was a great one. Marco Island, we've been to several times, and they had a lot of canals there that I didn't expect to see. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Thank you, Millie. Have you ever heard of Forgottonia, Marcia? (laughs) Forgottonia. I forgot to remember that. No, I don't. It's one of those places that could have been a state at one point in America's history. Yeah, it's in rural Illinois. It was actually started as a publicity stunt in the early 1970s. Local businessmen in western Illinois were frustrated at the lack of attention their region received from the state government, so they proposed a new state named Forgottonia, (laughs) comprising 16 counties. They recruited a theater student to be their governor, proclaimed they would secede and apply for foreign aid. For oh, foreign I think, aid? Foreign aid, yes. Oh, but is. the whole thing fizzled out in 1972. But Amtrak established a train route through the area, so maybe Forgotonia wasn't so forgotten after all. Be a good place for people with dementia to Seattle. Forgotonia. To, to Where down. are you from? Forgotonia. <laughs> I forgot too, okay. What unusual background did a Supreme Court justice named Byron White have, Marcia? He was a Supreme Court justice for 31 years. He was uh, nominated by President Kennedy. He was on the Warren Court from 1962 to 1993 before retiring. Hmm. What was unusual about his background? Oh, gosh. I don't know him or uh, or even of him. He was a Rhodes Scholar. Ah. He attended Yale University. Okay. Still... He was also an NFL football player. You're kidding. (laughs) Yeah, he was an all-around athlete, kind of an all-American boy. He went to the University of Colorado, and he was big in sports there. And then he got uh, called up in the NFL draft in 1938, and he played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Which uh, became the Steelers. Which became the Steelers. And then he also played for the Detroit Lions. In fact, he was going to Yale University when he was playing for the Detroit Lions. Oh, darned. And it was only after World War II that he came home and decided, I'm going to be an attorney and 
went from there, and he became Supreme Court Justice. Well, there's a man in full. So now we've had NFL players become Supreme Court Justices. What other high office almost had an NFL player? Uh, president. Jerry Ford, right? That's right, Gerald Ford, because he had offers in college for the Detroit Lions. Really? And uh, he decided uh, to go to Yale, become an attorney instead. I remember a picture of him in his little football outfit. And didn't Ronald Reagan play football? He played too? football, and another president played football in uh, college. That's the only two I know. Big name. Big name. Tell big me. name, big college. Big college, big name. Don't know. Dwight Eisenhower. Oh, really? I don't picture him playing football. He played football for Army. Okay. So those are interesting backgrounds. But again, Byron White, what an interesting guy. Rhodes Scholar, Yale attorney, and an NFL football player. (laughs) He was good, too, because the first year he led the NFL in rushing yards in his rookie season. So he had some cred. Wow. Yeah. Very good. All right, let's wrap it up with some of your final Independence Day questions, Marsh. Okay, doke Bob, can you tell me what was the estimated population of the U.S.? In 1776. Oh, now that's a good one. I I think it was like 2.5 million, something like that. Was it that many people? How much did you say? I said 2.5 million. Was it that many people? (sighs) Yes, it was exactly that many people. You're kidding. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 2,500,000 people is the estimate. Uh, yeah. Okay. And don't forget, we today eat 150 million hot dogs. And there were, <laughs> back then, there were only 2.5 million people. And 35 hot dogs consumed on the 4th of <laughs> July. Okay. A piece. That is correct. Who is the author, Bob, of the Pledge of Allegiance? Oh, now that's a good one. I don't. I thought you were going to say who authored I the... I know. In the, that was the easy uh, one, yeah, but Tom this Jefferson. is the hard one. Tom wasn't around for this. Yeah, no, uh, no. Who authored the Pledge of Allegiance? Francis Bellamy. Francis Bellamy. Do you know him? I went to school with somebody named Francis Bellamy. <laughs> You're not that old. Hmm. Here's an interesting one. Okay. Where was the Declaration of Independence stored during World War II? Oh, I bet it was stored down in um, where they stored a lot of the famous paintings. Oh. Asheville, North Carolina. You're thinking of At the, the Vanderbilt ex- House. No. No, where was it? Fort Knox. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. How about that? They took it to Fort Knox and stored it underground. Yeah. Wow. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, during World War II, the uh, government did take a lot of famous paintings from the National Gallery and stuff and took them to the Vanderbilt Mansion because they thought if, if, if Washington was bombed, they wanted to make sure that some of the treasures were other places. Yeah. All right, Bob. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. There's so many great quotes, Bob, about freedom and the 4th of July, but I decided to go right for the big enchilada. Mm -hmm. And here's a brief excerpt from the Declaration of Independence signed on July 4th, 1776. And uh, when you hear the word man in this, think mankind. Okay. I do. (laughs) You know, and I think if George and Tom and John lived longer along with the other boys, they would eventually have wanted it that way too. Okay, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And so it goes. Yes. There we are. That's some special fun Independence Day. Information, trivia, facts, figures, 
and something I call bountiful bandinage. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, that's it for today. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. We hope you enjoyed today and that you'll join us again next time when we return with more fun facts and trivia here on The The Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.